0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Leaders in Sport podcast brought to you by DFS Designs for Sport and hosted by myself, Adrian Vallaca, and my co-host, Sylvie Tatro. Before we hop in and talk about the podcast, just a brief note, DFS Designs for Sport, if it's your first time listening, please head over to the website, designsforsport.com. Check them out. Even if we weren't affiliated, and I realize that that sounds uh, funny because, of course, we are. I would use the product in the heartbeat, I can't say enough great things about it. Uh, I've been using the amino complex a lot of late, uh, kind of in around my workouts and then also after uh, and I'm a huge fan of the collagen. So those two have been heavy in the rotation uh, and I highly suggest you check them out. Everything is NSF for Sport approved, it's the highest quality supplements that you can find and with so much ambiguity let's say. In the industry, I think it's important that you, that you have a name that you can trust for yourself and for your clients. So head over there. In today's podcast, we're joined by Connor Carrick. Connor is a professional hockey player, plays in the National Hockey League, and he is a newly minted member of the Seattle Kraken, the NHL's latest expansion team. In the podcast, we talk about dealing with injuries, something that he knows all too well as a professional athlete. We talk about his evolution of training, which I think is something that's very natural for athletes as they age and go through that maturation cycle. And we talk about his own personal podcast, The Curious Competitor. Connor's a very intelligent, introspective, and well-rounded human being as well as hockey player. And I think the attention to detail and the approach that he takes to preparation and competition is something that we can all learn from regardless of, of what walk of life we come from. So without further ado, please enjoy our episode with Connor Carrick. guys welcome back to another episode uh we're so excited to be here we're really excited because we have a uh first time repeat guest so uh you know when when uh when a new when a new series airs and they bring a character from the old series back in uh so connor thank you so much for being here we really appreciate it Uh, no i
1: i uh i don't always get invited back places i've been so this is exciting for me too
0: (laughs) did you have? i I was thinking about this yesterday did you have the nickname cc ever growing up like connor Did that ever yeah yeah It I'm would have, geez, yeah. it would have to, I don't know why I thought of that as I was, as I was driving home today, but, uh,
1: when they were making fun of me as like a kindergartner, <laughs> Connor carrot was, I thought the extent of, you know, kindergarten humor and it, it hurt me at the time that, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't as thick skinned as I am now.
0: Yeah. You hadn't played in the, in the never happy league. So you weren't See, ready that's for the, truth.
1: the never happy <laughs> league for, you know, in Toronto of all places, uh, <laughs> You know, yeah. Trial by fire.
0: So yeah, so we we initially touched base when you were playing in Toronto actually. Uh since then you've 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 made a trip. You've had it, you've had it back home back south of the border. Uh you've also started your own podcast, The Curious Competitor, yeah. which we'll touch on. Uh and you've got you got a little one on the way.
1: Yeah, no kidding. it's um, a lot. You know, couple couple trades, a couple, <laughs> couple, of trades, couple of surgeries since we've last talked, got the baby on the way. Talk about you know, poor use of leverage. Imagine if I had launched a podcast during my time as the Toronto Maple Leaf. I might have been burned at the stake with Lou Lamarillo and Mike Babcock as GM, but certainly the ship sailed there. And, you know, it wasn't meant to be. I think uh, character-wise, I'm a little bit different person than I was then and maybe more of an actualized version, I guess, I could brag about. And uh, a lot of exciting stuff. And hopefully hopefully an announcement of the season soon and, and be able to air out all the work we've been doing you know, during uh quarantine at home, training
0: and that awesome. So there's there's a bunch of different ways we could go from there, but let's talk. We just had um Drake Kajula just had a little one at the gym uh at our place. So cash cash William Kajula, Cash Bill. Um what so, a
1: name. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. speaking of CC. So uh what's been what's been the most uh enlightening aspect of preparing to be a father?
1: Oh, gosh. I think just doing the mental check, I'm a pretty passionate guy. I get obsessed about a wide array of topics. If anyone follows me on Instagram, you'll see me, you know, brag about my coffee routine. To, um, I'm very into my dog. I'm am a, I'm a hyper evolved dog father. And I think it's just been a bit of an exhale like everyone that every parent I've run into explains this transformation and this trade off they wouldn't give up for anything in the world uh, for this baby in, in exchange for, I don't know. Uh, sense of personal freedom definitely sleep is something that a lot of parents you know tend to give up in, in order to have this child and I think just exhaling like thinking about how much time and effort I devote to the things I'm passionate about now and then I'm guessing I'll fall in love with this baby we don't know if it's gonna be a, you know the, the sex yet boy or girl but are we're just gonna like put number one on top of all these things, it's going to crowd out something. You only have 100% of your brain space, right? So I'm just like trying to imagine what my life's going to look like then and cram it for the test best I, best I know how.
0: And you're, what's, what's the due date?
1: February 7th. So give or take, you know, they say with the first one uh, can take a little longer, although we think that's a little early. And, you know, we figured during a pandemic with the most limited amount of job security I've ever had was the perfect time to have a baby. So, so that's what we're going to do. And, uh, Lexi, my wife has been feeling great, uh, you know, sleeping great, eating well. So as a, as a husband, it's been good to, to this, has, this hasn't worn too heavily on her. And I don't know, tried putting a dresser together last night, which was, you know, maybe the beginning of dad mode and, and trying and to do that, which wasn't always my forte. I wasn't a uh, real craftsmanship type of kid around the house. I would usually find a reason to shoot pucks or something when my dad asked me to do a home project. So no getting out of it now.
0: That's it. You're locked in. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of job security, uh, since we last talked, you've, you've traded, you've gone through a couple of teams. Uh, now you're in Jersey. You signed a two year deal last year, right? Yeah. That's a nice feeling right now. Eh? And,
1: uh, I mean, sometimes you get it right and you know, I was really excited about the way that when I'd first gotten traded to Jersey, I was just coming off a broken leg. I'd missed like you know, twelve weeks, whatever with Dallas. And I was really hot about that one. Cause I knew I was on the ropes there a little bit in Toronto and then was expecting a move out of training camp, happened. End up in Dallas and playing well and then get hurt. And so that whole time I'm getting hurt, I'm just, you know, trying to reconsider, you know, how, how I can train in season for you know preparation to come back when that's time and then was moved shortly on to jersey and played well enough to get a two-year deal but uh last year we all know you know kind of how tough it was in jersey for us and um just excited for whatever's next just to give you an idea though you'll, you've been around enough in HL. so we're at least amongst defensemen always is trust right you're just trying to establish trust with your organization trust with your coach and i remember you know the night i broke my leg and dallas was i played 22 minutes that night and so it happened in the first period and I had broken, I wasn't moving real great, but I was, I don't know. I thought it was a strain or a bone bruise or whatever. And I was just going to, you know, grip my teeth and make the most of it. And so anyway, missed a bunch of time and came back and got healthy, had a couple games, not, I wouldn't call it a real opportunity. Dallas was really right, right in the thick of a, of a playoff run. So they weren't super patient with the player trying to get back and, and was able to get moved to Jersey love the culture right away. I think I uh, was able to, you know, play a two way game, and every defensive says they're a two way defensive. That is what I try and do now. And uh, played well enough to you know secure some momentum towards the next two years and signed a two year deal. And you know, definitely grateful for that because I ended up getting hurt again last year. You know, uh, split my pinky a gazillion ways and missed a bunch of time off a one timer in practice. So, you know, sometimes. Sometimes you're on the receiving end of a good bounce and I, I definitely know what the receiving end of a bad bounce looks like, but I'll, I'll take it for now Two-year deal with another with one more year left. I'll be UFA after this.
0: What, uh, what what's going to happen? What do you think? What's your, I mean, no one's got a good guess, but what's your best guess here
1: for the NHL season? Yeah. Well, I'm going to score 50. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just Yeah. I what kidding. I like to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, my guess is that we, we play because I do feel that, I know the owners are, you know, there's a bit of a clawback going on, you know, where they're, they're trying to reposition themselves. Um, But we, this conversation has been had. And I understand these binding agreements can be, you know, pretty forceful by nature. And I, I, we did just put pen to paper. So my guess is that, you know, we went into this agreement with the lead proposing it uh, in full confidence of being, of, of, taking a good guess at the worst case scenario, the medium case scenario, and the best case scenario. I mean, the worst case scenario being, let's call it an entire season without fans, looks promising that a a vaccine is getting close. I have no idea how distributable it is. I'm not not in that world, the big pharmacology, believe it or not. And uh, so my guess is that we play some sort of a a shortened season because I understand, you know, we're trying to sneak our season in before the playoffs. Or I'm sorry, before the Olympics. And uh, if the players in the league can bite the bullet of last year, and, you know, that uncertainty, I'm willing to bet with the additional momentum of other leagues, you know, trying to go first. Baseball, you know, continued to uh, play, you know, long after us. Football playing right now. Basketball looks like it's excited. Uh, You know, to come back, maybe not excited is the right word, but uh, ambitious to come back. At the NHL, I'm I have a hard time imagining we just decide to remove ourselves as one of the four major team sports and just say, you know what, we'll wait. And I don't think we have the luxury in terms of market capture to do that. If I, if I, my best guess.
0: No, it's hard to like, yeah. Can you imagine if Nike just sat a whole year off? Right. I just said everyone else under armor, Adidas, Puma, you guys have fun. We're just going to sit off for a year and then we'll, then we'll come back.
1: And, and you're even saying Nike, like imagine Puma. Exactly. So Nike is the, the, you know, has all that goodwill from being the dominant figure in the field for so long. Um, You know, we have to fight for every, every dollar and and every fan we're able to secure, you know, in, in the national hockey league. And that's just, the nature of the beast, and hopefully as players, we're you know trying to be more creative. Hopefully as owners, uh, you know they're trying to be more creative from you know the bottom earners all the way up to you know the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers, and that. Um, I, I'm confident in the ingenuity of the entrepreneur on their end and of the player, you know the new wave player particularly, and we'll see.
2: So I wanted to ask about those injuries, you've, you've obviously had a, had a couple, Mm, (laughs) Uh, and with being an athlete, that is something that obviously, you know, you have to be prepared to deal with, obviously, you don't want it to happen, but what sort of lessons did that teach you? What did you do to kind of, you know, especially with mindset, get ready to come back and play and, and I guess, get it over the fear of future injuries?
1: I think – I'm not positive I'm totally over the fear of future injuries. I think that lack of control doesn't always sit well with me. It's something I do do a lot of, I guess, inner work with in that – I mean, Conor, it's a cost to in business. If you're if you're risk-averse, pro sport isn't for you. You know, Adrian, it's like you being a fighter. If you don't want to get in the mouth, you're in a tough – it's a tough job for you. <laughs> and and so, you know, I recognize uh, both both plays were odd – you know, plays where I just took fractures based off puck contact. So it it wasn't necessarily anything I could have done necessarily to avoid it, you know, which is always what we're trying to do in the gym and things like that, this whole concept of injury prevention. I think you really have a profound respect for momentum and just how important it is to focus on the small goal at hand. So, for example, when I broke my leg, I mean, we discussed – you know, it was really quite simple. All, all we discussed in the gym is how to build our lower half, how to build, you know, lower body strength, core strength, you know, lactic threshold, explosiveness from you know, our belly button down. And, you know, just to maintain a sense of, uh, you know, power element to my training, I was doing, you know, low rep, very high stress, you know, pull up bench work, just to maintain that, you know, uh, ability to create as much force and, and activate as many motor neurons as I, and motor units as I could. On the other side of that was, you know, there was a lot of time spent on the arm bike, you know, in the sauna, just trying to maintain some sort of aerobic base. because That was totally non-weight bearing. Um, and the second hand of that is, is trying to learn the lessons and become more savvy. We always appreciate our veteran players and their ability to stay in the lineup night in, night out. And, you know, for example, the broken leg against Detroit was I lost uh, sight of the puck at the blue line you know, kind of got tossed around a little bit in my box out and all of a sudden, you know, my, my tibia ankle, you know, where those meet, uh, was in more pieces than I had desired and started the game with. If I find my box out, maybe we don't have this issue, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you got to protect yourself out there. And then secondhand, you know, with the pinky, um, you know, I was in the shot lane in practice. And to be fair, like, I'm just not positive. I'm twofold. Number one, I had, a, I've, I've had more conversations now with the power play half wall guys to Hey, just hang out a little bit, like keep the puck on the ice, frankly, you know, or else we're, we're going to be fighting, you know, to be blunt. Um, and, you know, on the other side, you know, maybe, uh, you know, take the cape off and, and be in the lane, but, you know, try to think long-term and, and how I can best, uh, serve myself and my team. So.
0: channel channel a little Phil Kessel in there oh yeah the best I mean the best line he's ever said to me was they don't pay me to block shots and if they do (laughs) I don't want to play anymore
1: (laughs) well you know if I could score 35 a year like Phil maybe I would Uh, but what I do know is they definitely don't pay me to block shots in practice in practice practice, that's a you know no problem you got to get in the lane there's a price to pay but even then there's an art form you watch the best shot blockers in the league there's they have a way to get their equipment in front of the lane and, and how to time it. Right. So that they're, you know, taking pucks off the body in the, in the right spot. And it was, again, it was an errand shot. So really wasn't much either of us could do, you know, oddly enough, the, the power of pressure, right? Like our, our half guy, the guy that, you know, and hit me with a puck normally as an elite one timer and, and control of it, you know, but the coaches were kind of on him and he was struggling at the time to score and they were yelling at him to you know shoot more on the power play. So all of a sudden it's practice and, He's ripping one timers from the half wall into a pile of six people in front of the net. Um, so, just part of one of those nooks and crannies of the game where, you know, when I came back and got healthy, he had actually done it a couple times further. And we had a couple, we had two very frank conversations that, hey, if that happens again, like we're going to have a problem. And sometimes, you know, the, the best defense is a good offense. You know that, Adrian.
0: Uh it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. A little, a little healthy competition and tension goes a long way.
1: That's it. I mean, I, I just told him, if you hit me with another hundred mile hour slap shot, um, we're going to fight. So that's where that's <laughs> it, as it stands.
2: Yeah. So coming from your teammate, it's a different, different conversation
1: for sure. <laughs> I mean, he's trying to do his best to protect himself and his spot in the lineup. And I don't, I'm, you know, as a net front demon, I'm just sort of out of tools to, uh, do the same and I'll exercise whatever I have at my disposal.
0: So then what is, you came, that was, that was early in the year. Was it not? That was like uh, an, that was early in the year.
1: Came back, uh, we had a coaching change, you know, uh, came back, wasn't super thrilled with really, we were really struggling as a team. And as a D-man, sometimes I do feel when you're struggling as a team, you kind of bear the brunt of it a little bit more and, you know it it can be difficult to get your game going, but I was actually unfortunately, as the season ended, I put together some really good games uh probably thirteen or fourteen in a row I was really happy with and um but so it goes on to the next
0: year so what is what does this off season look like for you then? Obviously, it's been an atypical one. We've seen it firsthand on our end, but what's what's changed? I know before we got on this podcast, we talked a little bit about um about your approach, and we'd love to have you share that.
1: I think uh, in the past I've used a ton of uh, band and, and body weight work, uh, which is fine when you have a shorter off season and you really have to focus on healing the injuries from the previous year and, and maybe it's a shorter run way to do that. Uh, as I've moved back to Jersey, we do use a little bit more weight and a little bit more external load, and that's been a fun experiment to see how my body responds and reacts to both. I, I really find, like, for example, as the week goes on now, Uh, with the external load, you know, Monday you train hard, Tuesday you train hard, Wednesday's more recovery day, Thursday we're gonna after it, by Friday, you're pretty warm. And just the magic of recovery come Monday, like today, you know, it's a Monday as we record, Like I felt fantastic after, you know, a day and a half of recovery, Uh, did yoga Saturday morning, so that's why we'll call it a day and a half. And then for me, it's really just been focusing on the biggest ROI items, what are teams after, What, what do the best players in the National Hockey League do? So, Doing everything I can off ice, sleep, training, mobility work, because I know putting in the skill sessions, the battle sessions, and the conditioning skates on the ice uh, is really where you're gonna get your biggest bang for buck. Come you know opening night, and uh, so now it's just been really focusing on that. Now I also mentally have just tried to channel anytime I felt sorry for myself, you consider Olympians, you, know, you consider athletes where this is their norm where their training cycles are this long. So, you know, complain to them that they're bored, even on, on my podcast that we were joking about. Uh, I had Randy Hetrick on, you know, the founder of TRX, who was a Navy SEAL you know, commander for 14 and a half years. And he asked the same question, what's next season look like? I'm like, you know, it could be, you know, sort of like, I actually used the word mistakenly uh, like a, I don't know, like a, like a sort of a deployment. I don't know why I use this word Uh, into, you know, these bubbles where they put us up at a hotel and, and, you know, we play all these games and, thinking to myself i'm like complaining about the loneliness or the, the 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 prospect of playing in front of no fans to a guy who did 14 and a half years in navy seal like i'm willing to bet most military guys would be like you know what, sign me up for the rich i'll take it and uh, <laughs> so it's just a good dose of perspective
2: perspective and, yeah
1: yeah and that's been that's been you know really my focus
0: that's good
2: so right now i guess with the training do you so you work out five days a week with one day of yoga
1: yeah about so four days where there's you know more of a structured lift you know where the the warm-ups written out um it's a pretty consistent base with with variances in terms of tempo and some of the coaching cues uh so it's a pretty well-oiled machine in that it, it once you become familiar with the program here in jersey you are sort of able to culturally everyone's able to to do their best on their own with, with minimal uh, need for a coach to coach every rep, which is great. And then on Wednesdays, they just do more of my, you know, I have a, I have a power plate at home. I'll sit on that for a while, which I really enjoy. I'll do some of my, you know, rotational lunges and some of my eyes closed, you know, sort of similar work in that and uh, some bear crawls and, and yoga. And I'm not positive. It's actually exactly what's best for recovery, but I, enjoy it and at some point that counts for something too so
0: well, i think that counts for most to be honest
2: do you track your recovery in any way i think i saw you use the aura ring i wear an
1: aura ring um i used to use an omega wave for a bit and just found that waking up and then staying in bed for an additional five minutes became tedious to a point where i'd rather just go on with the actual preparation for the day and this comes back to that conversation of roi right so for mm-hmm. me i enjoy the metrics But at the same time, you're not going to get Michael Jordan's not thanking, you know, his whoop, uh, you know, for tracking all of his, you know, metrics come uh, Hall of Fame time and for, for all his championship rings. So for me, it's been a little bit of like, listen, the new wave is great, but the tried and true, like there are answers laid out right in front of you if you pay attention to them. 100%.
2: And what are those things that you pay attention to? I know, uh, we can get into a lot of detail on your, your sort of routine, which I do want to get into, but yeah, what are some of those recovery markers? Like, I think we are really obsessed with technology and I think it can give us a lot of great information. I personally have tried the whoop band and that type of thing. And I think it's, it's great that these things are available to us. Um, but it can take us away from obviously just how we're feeling on a regular basis and checking in with some of those, um, yeah, just how do I actually feel?
1: <laughs> Honestly, my biggest focus has been when I'm at work and, and I don't like calling it work, but we'll, we'll call it just because everyone knows what that means for the most part. When I'm at work, like work hard, train, skate, uh, I usually have like a little journal where I'll keep uh, notes of whatever particular skill work I've been doing. So say, for example, I've been doing a ton of one-timers, maybe just to rotate the other way. on, a, on a, If I've been doing one- timers Monday, Tuesday, come Thursday, skate. So I don't want to just do a lot more backhand play just to get rotating the other way to, to limit any imbalances and similar, you know, with the whoop and the aura ring and that, like you also, I think I just have to know my personality. I can get pretty obsessive and addicted to the numbers in a hurry where all of a sudden this rest and recovery time that let's call it, you know, 3.00 PM on when I'm home and I really should just be laying down or, you know, taking the dog for a walk or doing some of these familial, you know, activities. All of a sudden I'm like, trying to track my calories and keep my steps down because it was a heavier day at the gym and, and, you know, I'm watching a movie at 7.30 but really I'm thinking about how as soon as this ends I'm going to talk to my wife about how we need to really get ready for bed at 9.15 so I can get ready for the next day. So all of a sudden it became this like it never turned off. I was just on from the moment I opened my eyes until the moment I, you know, shut them and frankly it just didn't uh, fit into my, my culture, my, my family life at home. And so for me, I've actually tracked it, paid less attention to it the last two or three weeks and my numbers have been the best. So <laughs> something about, you know, not forcing it. That's been really profound for me. And um, I actually forgot the initial question. I rambled long enough that I just kept going on. Oh, I was but just asking what those like
2: it. recovery markers are for you for just checking in aside from the aura ring and, and that type of thing.
1: Honestly, it's just the fluidness of the breath in the morning. You know how how easy is that expansion? Another big one is how you know it's interesting. As I've learned more about the nervous system, I used to feel on these days uh, I would go to the rink and I would complain about my equipment. I'd be like, my my stick's just not, my curve's just not right, the puck's just not sitting right, or my skates—they don't feel like they're fitting right. And now that I've actually tracked in the nervous system stuff, it's like, no, no, it's 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 me. Like, I feel off today. And the skis are the same as what I wore yesterday. (laughs) Um, And so it's maybe more accountable that way. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it's it's been an interesting experiment. But as far as like recovery at home, I do have an infrared sauna. That's probably one of my favorite that I'll lean on. Um, Honestly, the biggest one I've experienced is just trying to get sunlight in the morning, you know, going for a little walk. And then, you know, we're podcasting, what is it, you know, 3, whatever, 3.40 as we're we're doing this. We'll, you know, wrap up 4, 4.30, whatever. Like, I know the sun's going down around 5, so I'll try and sneak out for a walk thereafter. And as long as I get those two cues, you can flirt with all the, you know, uh, technology in the world for recovery. Sleep, like sleep set. It's secret sauce. There's no other way to put it. So I will, you know, sell my soul from, you know, 3 p.m. on to just secure a good night's sleep, whatever that looks like.
2: For sure. Is that, uh, is that when you stop drinking coffee or is coffee just for the morning?
1: <laughs> coffee, I do one cup. I try and do five to eight ounces in the morning. I probably bleed up to 12 most days because I lack discipline. I'm a glutton and I love my coffee. Um,
2: oh, yeah. I know. We uh, I love watching your coffee rituals on Instagram.
1: I try to. I try to inspire people, I guess, to improve whatever touch point in their life that they can. And, and coffee is a simple one that most people do every day. Then I'll do the odd you know, noon coffee, but what after that I really can I'm pretty caffeine sensitive. Uh and I really don't need help tapping into some of those stress hormones that coffee can help me with. I can get there on my own just fine. Um you know, so I, I do try to have a, a good cutoff there.
0: How many how many sticks do you have in your locker?
1: Sticks?
0: Yeah. This right ha- now I have six. You have six? I like at but at 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 like at the rank you'll have like six on average? Oh yeah. I just this is this is there's I don't know if it's correlation or not, but the guy I noticed that the guys that that overthink the game often have too many sticks in their locker,
1: too many sticks. You'll notice different heights. Um, <laughs> you know, check the the you know the collection of tape in their stall and things like that. If yeah. you switch back at all, there's a white and a, and a black. And my my old thing is like I that's an interesting argument right like uh, a lot of coaches will talk to these players who may be hyper analytical or overthink or superstitious and they'll say you know hey think less or, or do this and and my challenge is always like no one's going up to the guys that aren't very thoughtful frankly just aren't all there and are, are telling them like hey i really need you to be smart like i need you to think more out there <laughs> um so i think it's this you know this whole miscast where we're not Really addressing people's true strengths and weaknesses, and we're asking them to be something, you know. For yeah, example, yeah. Like, so, for example, for me, I've just channeled all of my, you know, creativity and, and the hamster upstairs. I've said, you know, all right, it's been years, you haven't necessarily slowed down. So, I've done two things. I've like forced this meditation habit that I, you know, considered a hobby for years. Like, it's just, it's like my training now. It's not something I leave, it's something that's non negotiable, it's scheduled and then the other side of it is i kind of give it this you know landscape to roam free called you know the podcast instagram world where like all right you want to go create and think and and you know consider the infinite amount of possibilities out there go do that because when we're at the rink like i need you to focus on like
0: three things and that's it (laughs)
1: like break a puck out gap uh you know and and whatever else We'll, we'll stick to those two for now but
0: no it's it's good it is uh it is interesting i've just been in so many over the last like two years i'd say i've been in so many locker rooms and i always walk by the stick rack now and then and then just ask a couple of questions so that's why you know
1: you know a guy's really in trouble when he's got more than one brand yeah he's got like okay fine you want you, you want one brand but maybe you're thinking with a new curve or whatever fine you know your body does change during the season like i remember i came back from a shoulder injury and i you know for whatever reason wasn't putting as much torque on my stick and i was like using as low a flex i had in my career and it was great and then all of a sudden a couple weeks went by and i was up to full strength i'm like i can't use this thing i don't know how playing with this stick um it was a temporary fix uh but i mean i played with i i played with those guys and, and normally the guys having good years don't have multiple brands in there
0: or three different so, curves. There's three different curves. I'm like, what, like, oh, yeah.
1: like how, like
0: what is, is that based on the, the problem
1: is what that is too, is all of a sudden you get in this blunder where curves similar. to almost how you uh, profile your, uh, your steel and your skate. Yeah. Uh, they're good for certain things. So like yeah. Alex Ovechkin's curve is unbelievable for that, that one timer from that slot, you know, and he yeah. uses an 82 flex, he's a big man. I've used that stick. All of a sudden I use it and I feel like I can score 60 from that spot. They haven't put me in that power play spot. But if you ask me to like break a puck out, total nightmare. Yeah. Um, you're lost. So you, know, you get in this circumstance where you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm a, my, my shot. Like I, I really feel like my wrist is uh, a lot heavier and, and it's just getting off cleaner with the bigger toker. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, but I, I can't make any plays for the neutral zone. So like you end <laughs> up in this, like this trade off world where you're just trying to, plug holes in the boat.
0: And... Right. Well, you shot, you shot 40 at practice and then you got in the game and all you did was make passes. So now, like, now what do you do?
1: I know. Yeah. We talk about this a lot <laughs> as players and I, have done it where I've grabbed guys, like right, You know, teammates and, and just said, Hey man, like, I don't know what you're trying to do with that stick. Like you got to cut that out. Like that's got to go. Um <laughs> and that's just frankly, not what's needed of you. Not the way you play. I, I've seen you shoot with it for a week. Like, Sure, your shot looks great, but like I, I'm, I can't even tell what skate you're gonna put my path in. Uh, you know, you're just putting pucks in my feet all day. Just, I need you to cut that out. And vice versa, uh, I've, I've had guys grab me and be like, "Hey, man, it's not the stick, pal." <laughs>
0: it's not it. Well, speaking of speaking of the hamster wheel, that is a good transition. Tell us a little bit about the podcast.
1: Podcast has been a blast. Holistically, how can we? use curiosity as a fuel to enter into the world of lifelong learning and growth. And I guess uh we joke about it on NHL planes where you'll see a guy, you know, reading Tony Robbins or, you know, Brennan Burchard or whomever these adversity reads, right? Um, you know, or the the, the self help section. You know, you usually don't see the guy on the, that's on pace for fifty that year reading the self help book. Usually the guy that's you know in on a lineup or fighting an injury kind of thing. Well that's been me the last couple of years, so I've been able to do some homework, and it's been a, a good place to engage in these conversations. I was resistant to the podcasting world. I think my initial interaction was actually coming on the Championship Lifestyle Podcast with YouTube. And then I bookmarked it. I was you know trying to read more and you know, less Netflix on the plane and you know, more reading and things like that. And then my wife, Lexi, told me she's like, "You know, I really think you'd like this podcasting medium." And I told her to kick rocks. I'm like, I got enough hobbies going on right now. I don't know what you're talking about. And then finally, I don't know what started it, but I couldn't believe the level of information and the, the quality of professional that was available to, to learn from via podcasting. And as soon as I started to listen, I, I couldn't stop and I couldn't stop regurgitating at home to the point where there's a conversation like, hey, Connor, you, you just, you got to channel it somewhere else. You got to start your own or something. So here we are.
2: Yeah, I love it. It's, uh, it's such a great opportunity to, to, you know, obviously have conversations with people that are uninterrupted and you, you do really get to be exactly that curious competitor. I love that name. Uh, yeah. Tell us about how you came up with that name.
1: I think it's something that I realized was a strength of mine that not everyone is this way. No one ever, you know, that it was part of what's allowed me to meet the, the people and, you know, the trainers and the skills coaches that I have in my career. And I just realized it's something that made me different. And it was something that I had kind of, it was a part of my personality that I'd wished away for quite some time. And, you know, I, don't, I forget uh, what psychologist sort of coined it, but when you're like not integrated with the dark side of your personality, when you, when you aren't aware of, you know, uh, like here's your strength and there's what it costs with that scene in the Queen's Gambit, like I related totally to that. Uh, when you want to miscast parts of yourself, like they'll lurk in the shadows kind of thing. Um, and so I've been able to really feel more of myself in, in doing that. And I think that it allows me to cover any topic with any person. Uh, so it's kind of a license to, you know, show up as a as a beginner's mind and say, I don't know much about this area and, and help me understand.
0: Well, you're not supposed to in hockey too, which is interesting, right? Like personal branding in, in the sport of hockey is, uh, is in seeming juxtaposition which is hilarious because on the like I mean it makes no sense to me like as an ex outsider perspective like if you're a team and you have characters that have plot lines then your team garners more attention and makes more money and if you're a player who has fans who care about them then you stay in the game longer like no one's a better example than PK you obviously you you, you play with them this like He's got he has he has a personal brand in a way that most people don't in hockey. Has that has that been a challenge? Have you been like? Is there like some resistance to it, or maybe some some judgment? Not that you you care or don't care, but
1: not yet. Uh, yes, there has. There's always judgment, and yeah. that's what I realized. Like people are going to judge me whether I had a podcast or not. You know, they'll judge you for anything. And so finally, I just decided no one really has my best interest at heart other than me um so to be blunt everyone else can you know fuck off and and i'm gonna do you know what i want to do that makes me happy and uh i mean look at my podcast look at the number of guests you don't think i'm tapping on teammates and, and asking them to join
0: the percentage
1: of you know let's call them uh outside professionals in comparison to hockey players it's not easy to get guys to open up and to be fair they've been when they've done it in the past they've been chastised so for me, I, I don't totally get it, especially when the conversation comes around for escrow. Like you know, guys usually get pretty fired up about escrow. It's like, yeah, but what have you done to solve the issue? Like, what have you done to show the to to showcase our game? What have you done to grow the game? That's a short conversation most parts. Uh, in basketball, you know, in in football, like you've seen these contracts balloon versus, you know. Uh, you know, what's Connor McDavid making? What what was Yarmar Yager making 12 years ago? I don't know. I, I think as players, we have to wear that. Um, there's a price to be paid for uh, that level of privacy. You're, you're, give, you're leaving opportunities and, and networking and, and people you can meet on the table, which is fine. Uh, but it also doesn't allow you to, you know, frankly throw a fit about the size of your contract in comparison to other sports.
0: Uh, No, absolutely. I mean, you, you have, you have, you have such a unique opportunity in that you have, you have a platform that you got not for free, but you got before you realized what was required to build a platform. You you did it as a kid and you did it It as a kid.
1: The rest that really mattered. You deal with some trained pros all the time. Like, okay. An hour worth of uh, skating lessons at the age of 26, you know, uh, what I would trade to have access to the resource I do now, as a nine to fifteen-year-old, when I was really, you know, developing my athletic nervous system and my my habits, um, you know, that's when you're really built as a player. And to be blunt, like I, I show up at the rink every day, you know, trying to be my very best, but I can't name the last player that all of a sudden at 26 went from skating the way I do to skating the way that Connor McDavid does uh, it just, you know, frankly hasn't happened. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're definitely benefactors of work done in arrears. Um, and I think that, you know, as pros, we're always trying to sharpen the sword and, and be the best we can. Uh, but part of this was also, I am preparing for this, this podcasting, this relationship creation. I, I, the word network feels dirty, but uh, when you're able to create you know real friends that are able to lobby for you in the future or you know wrap their arm around you you know come retirement time I'm trying to have the same approach where'm hoping that the work and the foundation laid now is able I'm able to you know use the platform come whenever my retirement is from now you know it could be five years could be fifteen hopefully closer to fifteen um, but I know that you know those relations and those skill sets take time to build and and this is part of that process
0: for sure and you and people people pick up the phone when you're still playing a pro sport
1: they do and it just sounds more desperate when you're done like you know hey i used to play and i i got bored uh you know i want hey would you want to you know you want to come on a podcast versus anyone that's lived a day in pro sport understands the power of leverage and uh you know to be fair I, i think that Leverage and exponential growth, I think, is what's most important when you're trying to build a, a personal brand and really personal business and, and, and whatever I want to do when I'm done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such an important point that you mentioned, you know, what happens after retirement, because a lot of the time, you know, not only are some, you know, players not often thinking about that long term because the present is exciting and it's, there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot going on. So I think like that brings us into the nutrition talk of, you know, kind of getting that stuff earlier. And, I, you know, obviously as, as a nutritionist, I'm constantly trying to work with even like young, young players to, to get, like, let them understand. I didn't have this information as a young athlete. A lot of the players that I work with, you know, didn't have access to sort of the same information and, and how important it is to consider that, You know, whether you make it pro or you don't, there's things that you need to do to kind of have that longevity piece um, and kind of help with uh, with the present moment of performance, you know, And, and how do you how do you get the most out of your regime right now with performance in keeping longevity in mind? So can you touch just, I know you're huge on nutrition. I'm going to ask you about broccoli sprouts. Cause I know we have that in common, um, <laughs> but yeah. Can you just talk about how you, yeah, I know you're very into nutrition, how you meld those two things together, performance, and then ob- obviously thinking about longevity and your family life and everything with, with nutrition loaded question, but
1: <laughs> That's okay. both, both the podcasting and personal development and the nutrition world for me, uh, my interest there was really born on a fear. I, you know, read stories in the news of players post-career being in really dark places. And I had some coaches at a young age that had played in the National Hockey League that were in grave health circumstances. So what I decided very early when I saw, I was like, this this particular coach has played in the National Hockey League, like you know, severely overweight, really struggling uh, with mental health and well-being. And so it became this thing, it was like this euphoric uh discovery for me like oh my god here I have this perfect mesh of if I can build this nutrition habit and this um, foundation it'll totally serve my current career and, and longevity and, and daily performance it'll, it'll help fuel that but I'll also have all of these habits that I don't have to adjust or, or find when I'm 35 40 because it's a part of my identity to be a person in good health to be in good shape like i love the energy that i have i you know rarely am a person that's tired uh i'm rarely a person that's you know overly sore from training exercise like i'm pretty resilient and i you know thank my nutritional habits uh, for a big part as a big part of that that's my job as an athlete but that's not something i want to leave the day i hang the skates up so it's kind of this yes this is what i do for my career but also hockey were to evaporate, you know, uh due to retirement or some, you know, pandemic no one saw coming, for example. For example, I have this relationship with health where it's ingrained. It's a part of me. It's not, uh, it's a part of my identity.
2: So what does your nutrition regime look like right now?
1: Um let's start, let's just give an average practice more uh day morning. So I wake up in the morning, I will do a sea salt lemon uh hydrogen water i don't exactly remember why i do the water i am really good at remembering the what's what's good for me I'm, I'm working on the why which we, we can talk a little bit with the designs for sport like education seminar i'm taking with roald hankwich who's been a great resource then i'll usually have anywhere from like whatever i can stomach based on how late I and at four four to six ounces i got this uh grass-fed beef one it's like 90 uh lean with organs in there so there's heart liver uh, and some kidney, my local butcher did it at the farmer's market. I'll usually do like a half a tablespoon of uh, extra virgin olive oil. And then I'll do sort of my, I call it the times for sport shake. I'll do uh, collagen, bone broth, uh, protein. I got glutamine in there. I've got creatine monohydrate in there. I've got beta alanine in there. I've got my broccoli sprouts. I try to do. I forget how much I actually have measured out right now. I've been growing it at home, so I just kind of snip as much as I, I know, think I can I, for the that week. That
2: warms my heart to see. Adrian's been uh, like dealing with my broccoli spread obsession for years, so it's uh, when I saw you doing that, I was like, yes.
1: <laughs> we connect on that. We connect on that. Yeah, Lexi's a saint, and, and you know was able to find a way to grow at home and help me out do that. So I, you know, cut my broccoli sprouts in the morning. What else I got in there? Sometimes I'll add some frozen, you know, wild blueberries. Sometimes I'll add, I have some uh, like cashew probiotic uh, yogurt. Then I'll go train. Uh, I'm kind of trying to get off right now. Just take a little bit of a break from like the intro workout supplement shake. But usually it's uh, the amino acid blend that DFS makes. I will do some more beta alanine. Um, sometimes I will do some sort of carbohydrate intra workout, uh, but I don't always, that's probably the one that leaves the most. And then I will do a similar meal, uh, post-workout to my breakfast in the morning. And then I'll have two more carb heavy, uh, meals in the evening. So I'll do three and four. I'll get up to, you know, from like 95 to hundred grams of carb. I'm taking, uh, the paleo enzyme, the betaine hydrochloride and, carmina i think just about with every meal i'll do three to six fish oil pills in the morning three to six in the evening uh, my levels were a little low on my last blood panel so I'm, i understand that's a little aggressive but you know we'll probably drop it down I'm trying to think of what else i've got it all written down and i just do like two week blocks of my you know pill regimen which is pretty extensive right now um but i mean you you understand the the demands in our sport i'm training you know with weights four to five times a week you know pretty brutally uh and then right off the back of that with like three exhales in between throwing my gear on to go skate for 90 minutes and you know the demands are decently superhuman so it's it's not exactly uh, what i would recommend for everybody but it works for me
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that, you know, I always try to educate, especially athletes on is that you are using up nutrients at such a higher rate and the energy expenditure is so high that, you know, unfortunately, and it's very difficult, especially if you, you know, are working out and skating to eat the amount of nutrients that you need in one day and and be able to recover and, and, uh, do everything that you need to um from a nutrition standpoint, sometimes just with food. So it's uh sometimes you're just too
1: tired to eat even. you <laughs> <laughs> totally I get my food for me. I'm exhausted. I, I know. Like you check your order ring or whatever and your burn with fifty one hundred calories and it's three PM. Yeah. And uh you know I'm I'm kind of a recovering I underate for years. I had some body image issues where I thought I could just you know, restrict calories and somehow lose body mass and all of a sudden come out one day and have this build like Eric Carlson. So I can be real fluid and smooth. I'm a thicker guy. I put muscle mass on, you know, super easily. And now that I've been eating more, my weight's up a little bit, but I actually feel faster. I'm way more energized, come to the rink every day. I'll even, you know, this is a health forward podcast. So I'll say this quietly. Like I'll even Include like a paleo dessert or like a whole bunch of you know fruit at the end of my day when the caloric output's high enough, and I just can't put down fifty two hundred calories worth of, of broccoli sprouts. Frankly, um, <laughs> that's you know, air but, basically, but healthier. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you know, I, I'm I'm learning, and uh, I think I was someone earlier in my career where I thought I was smarter than I was, and and you know, it's was kind of a podcast PhD where I all of a sudden listened about fasting and you know, what I was doing all and It's like three, 4 PM. And I haven't eaten today uh, and I'm on my third workout. And it's like, I've got a poor relationship, uh, with, with food and training. And so I'm, I'm on the mend there.
2: Yeah. And I actually love that you said that because one of the biggest challenges I have as a coach is, is to get athletes to eat enough. It's like, no, 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 you actually need to eat more. And I think like, you know, again, with fasting and low carb, these things become very popular, but context is so important. And when it comes to athletes, like I love that you said, you know, you do eat that many carbs later, especially with the amount of exercise and all the science right now is based off of still needing carbohydrates as an athlete, you know, I mean, I was was one of those
1: paleo eaters, right? Like I was one of those paleo eaters. and, And I thought it was, you know, kind of the end all be all. And then I was listening to a podcast and I forget who it was, but, you know, the practitioner was complaining. They're like, you know, we have all these, she was riffing on, you know, CrossFitters at the time. like, we had these CrossFitters that claim they want to eat this paleo diet. Well, let me ask you about your lifestyle. Like, do you think in paleo times they were hang cleaning 52 times a week? <laughs> like, no, they weren't. They would go out and exercise for a day and they would lay around for like two weeks till the food stores got low again. And then they'd go out and hunt again. Like they weren't doing 16 wads a day. So um and that's where i had this Context. realization i'm like oh that's me i'm the idiot and uh you know so I've, I've learned to eat enough and what's amazing is i had this relationship with uh binging where i would you know kind of deprive i wasn't have taking in the caloric uh content that i needed really monday through thursday and then friday saturday sunday i'd be ravenous and you know uh, really reaching for foods that I wouldn't consider, you know, good for me at, at poor times, it would be, you know, 9 PM and had a big dinner and all of a sudden I'm hungry again, you know, on a a Saturday night or Friday night. And I think my body, you know, your body keeps score longer uh, for longer periods of time than you think, at least in my experience, I feel.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I love that you said that because, uh, yeah, I get asked about a lot of different diets and it's always, you know, interesting to have those conversations with athletes because it is different. You know, and you always have to consider what's best for the timing, the time of the season, for sure. You know, if you want to try some fasting in the off season, you know, if you're trying to cut body fat or whatever it is, you know, there's different, there's different ways that you can do that at different times. But I think the context is so important. And like in season is usually survival mode, right? Like it's it's just trying to get the most out of your recovery between um, and not getting into that exhaustion state right so um i'm so glad you said that
1: (laughs) well just trying to save an athlete out there from you know frankly thinking that they're professional when they're not and you know we do have access to great resources you know people like yourself um you know i have trainers that i work with in chicago we have a great team here in new jersey um you know you, you can't uh you know biohack yourself into you know the hall of fame like there's some principles that you know, are, are at play here. And and I'm not going to be able to, I mean, how many hours have you put into nutritional study and practice? Like I can't, because I listen to six, you know, biohacking podcasts replace someone of your expertise. And that's what frankly as a player I was trying to do at the time, I thought I knew better.
0: Well, it's an interesting, like that you, you've, I mean, you, you've hit it. You, You hit the nail on the head. You understand, you understand that your body is your asset and if you lose it, then you, then you no longer have a way to provide for yourself and your family. That's a, I think that's one of the most uh, misunderstood aspects of of pro sports. It's like,
1: I was talking about my financial advisor even the other day, because we were talking about, you know, the training costs we've had a 10 month off season versus a three month normally, you know, so by nature, you know, you're going to be paying for your own food more often. We're an NHL club, you know, picks up the tab come camp time. you are going to be, you know, paying for trainers, you know, their, their time, you know, they're in the gym, they're, they're not there for free. And how they feed their family, that kind of thing. And there was this conversation around cost of living versus cost of doing business. Yeah. And it's the cost of doing business. If you want to be a pro athlete, if you, you have to invest in your body and your craft tremendously. Um, and you are have to seek out the greatest return on investment type items. Uh, and focus there. So, I mean, that's really where I'm trying to get with the nutrition uh, and, and health component is, so it's, it's so, it's totally unconscious. It's just a habit that's not even focused on anymore. So instead of listening to a podcast on recovery or whatever, or, or reading a book, it can be more, you know, some of the sexier stuff, skill development, um, you know, maybe a, a different mental component of the game that, you know, I'm trying to, so that over here, it's, my relationship with my health. It's just something that's automatic. It's not and something I really have to award a whole ton of extra brain space to.
0: Oh, for sure. It's, it's, it's critical. If you, if you spent, I don't know, if you spent hundred thousand dollars a year on your body and you earned an NHL minimum contract, that's the best return on investment that you can find. Right. And obviously you don't spend a hundred thousand, but it's like, like people it's would up there.
1: yeah, people It's would, up there. I don't right. know what the number is, but it's a lot. Like I look at my credit card statement every month. You know, it doesn't say Nordstrom. It doesn't say. You know, You're up there with no,
2: LeBron, eh?
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it would be if I, you know, frankly, was LeBron. And that's, you know, kind of the world. I, I mean, I'm sitting here in a, in a room. I've got, you know, a personal infrared sauna. I've got this uh, power plate here. I've got a TRX in the closet. Like, I'm in a little, you know, uh, condo in, in downtown uh, Hoboken, you know, New Jersey. I can only imagine if, you know, i was able to have this like compound I dream of, you know, a little half ice rink in my backyard. You know, what's that cost? I don't know. I haven't looked into it yet, but, you know, I'd I'd love to have this next deal, have that be something on the table. Uh, And and we can talk about X's and O's and and what you're making versus what you're not. And at the end of the day, you have to honor the once in a lifetime opportunity that is living out this dream. Who's to say that you don't end up like, you know, Ray Bork and play, you know, 30 seasons in the NHL. I'm making, you know, I'm exaggerating, but that 31st year is the year you win the cup. You, you don't get that opportunity if you're out of the league by then, you know, so I can be a has-been the rest of my life. My goal was never necessarily, and this isn't to say to spend frivolously because I think every athlete has that fear of being that guy. You know, I ended up on the broke documentary, um, but like, you know, if I were to retire at 40, like my goal when I first started playing hockey was never to, Retire and never have to work again after the age of 40. Like, and that's how a lot of financial advisors will will think. Like, well, and we'll speak. And I get it. That's their job, and that's what you hire them to do. But, like, my goal is to maximize this, 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 this asset, this body. That after I retire, no one really cares what it does. Yeah, you, know, you might be uh, you're, you're you know, win the strong at your local gym, or you know, and and those things are all important and fun. Um, but I really am in the middle of a once in a lifetime opportunity
2: yeah absolutely i think uh that's such an important point because people don't get it that it, it it is your body and if if you're not taking care of it it's like there's there's big consequences
1: and- huge and what I found more importantly than anything is there's people who can offer shortcuts shortcuts on time shortcuts on reps and that's where I'm at in the stage of my career like I can't afford to have skates that you know aren't Overwhelmingly productive. I can't have um, you know ice time where you know there, there's a lack of focus. I can't have training sessions where you know I don't get better. It, it really is a daily struggle to get you know one tenth of one percent and whatever that number looks like uh, better. And and I find the power of working with a professional be something I have more respect for now than ever.
2: So what does your team of professionals look like right now? You said you have a strength coach, skills coaches. So I have Ian
1: Mac, Ian Mack in Chicago with Tomahawk Science. Uh, we've worked together for years, and and he, we have a good team down there. We work with a uh, DNS practitioner who's in the gym um, two or three times a week. Igor and I honestly, I love Igor. He's this big monster of a man, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'll, I'll spare him um, on here the Serbian last name he's got. And then uh, I work with Adam Oates. You know skills instructor who's out of uh toronto he's you know outstanding but, you know really interesting unique perspective on the game and and the way that he trains and you know i know he was recently on like 31 thoughts and you know can be a little bit of uh, an abrasive personality but you know i'm not afraid to challenge anybody i work with either like that's something that comes with the territory if you're going to work with me i'm going to ask why a lot we're going to get to the nth degree of why you think what it is and i'm either going to walk away convinced or still questioning um, in uh, Jersey here we have Joe Lawrence he does an awesome job um, you know it's, a, it's similar to I used to train uh, with sort of like a Caldeeps triphasic training program when I was younger it's similar to that where we use a lot of the I think it's called French contract would be the, you know the style of training yeah. um, so I'm really enjoying that and then uh, I think I'll cap it there and I'm, I'm considering you know who to go with on my nutrition next I think with uh, Roland which we've been talking about what our plan would look like. I had a relationship with this parsley health, which was like a functional medicine oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, med service, which was awesome out of uh, New York and really great in terms of the way that when you're able to work within the medical system, just the way that they could order tests and get, you know, full bottomless to your house or whatever uh, was really cool. And, you know, cause normally it was something I was always doing outside where, you know, you're getting your NutraVal and you've got to go, you know, find somewhere to take your blood on your own and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So it's been, it's been a, a different, uh, you know, sort of thing there. And I think I would have a little bit more of an established relation there if I hadn't gotten bumped around a little bit. I was working with, uh, you know, Sam Gibbs in Toronto was handling all of my you know, nutrition and things like that. And then, you know, that kind of got out of town. That relationship got, you know, harder and harder to maintain. Um, yeah, it's my team.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's uh, I encourage everyone athlete or non athlete to have a have a health team. And I'm sure you have a lot of uh, treatment people as well. Um, chiropractic massage, that type of thing, maybe.
1: Yeah, not out in Jersey as much. I had a I had an all star team, I felt like when I was in Toronto. And then when I was in Dallas, I had, uh, you know, Scott Herrera was the osteopath I was seeing down there. I was a, you know, Guy Voyer disciple and, and he was outstanding. We we I learned a lot from him. Things that I still implement in my programs. I used to have this sign in his office. I think he'd appreciate this. And I said, "You are your own greatest practitioner." Yeah. And the whole theory was like, I can you know, uh, you know, throw needles in your body on the table. I can massage you, do whatever. Um, but if you're not going to integrate it into your nervous system and, and put the reps in on your own, it's, it's a lost cause. And, and I always kind of took that to heart ever sense. Uh, Charlie Weingraf, who I had on the podcast, I've seen him out here in New York, you know, for a couple of issues, but he's, you know, down in Soho, which with COVID times includes, you know, trains, planes, and automobiles. So I try to avoid, you know, that at the best I can. Uh, but he's, he's brilliant. Is
0: he still with team Canada basketball?
1: I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. As far as I understand him and Sam Gibbs. And then that doctor, uh, I think it's Mark Bubbs. Yeah. Are, you know, a three headed monster, um, you know, with them and I, been so impressed with i've had short conversations with mark uh medium conversations with charlie really bright and i've had extensive conversations with sam and i I think he's really talented and and super hardworking as well
0: that's awesome charlie's got a unique story i really like his story he started like he had no intention of being a strength coach whatsoever in in that field and then kind of got tossed into it so it's uh yeah i haven't listened to that episode on your podcast but i definitely will go on after well then. similar to
1: Sam. I think Sam was an athletic trainer and you know massage therapist to start. And then he uses the phrase where he realized he just didn't have the tools to help athletes the way he wanted. And so he went to, you know, uh, become an osteopath. I think he's got his master's now in endocrinology. And um he had made mention, it wasn't my podcast, there was another podcast that went on called Leave Your Mark with Scott Livingston. And Sam was discussing about how, you know, whatever it was, uh let's call it you know 14 years ago he put together this like plan and he's on like year 12 of his like educational path so who's to say what he ends up as and it's just kind of that those are the type of people that I really appreciate I, I really appreciate you know people who will take the time and consider themselves worth the investment to continue to grow for sure
0: Awesome. Just pop in some questions here. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Okay. So we asked you about your regular training regime. Um, and you mentioned your supplements, but speaking of designs for sport, what are your favorites right now? What are you excited about? Um, have you tried any new ones lately?
1: I think my favorite is that uh, pure paleo. Like I was totally, I couldn't, and I asked uh, Jordan Boxer, the guy who had brought me on to send me the amino acid profile. I'm just curious, right? Like everyone raves about whey protein, but I don't currently do the best right now with dairy. And, and you know, I, so I kind of asked and was impressed with the amino acid profile. I noticed the leucine was a little bit lower, but I, I really liked it. Um, that's probably my favorite. I just love the taste. I couldn't believe how good it was. Like I kind of overdosed on Cliff Bar. Maybe that's a poor use of the word uh, overdose, but I just had my fix of cliff bars and protein shakes in high school where I just, I was super resistant. I couldn't do them. Um, yeah. I'm going to try that, uh, the paleo reds and the paleo greens. I saw it on your feed. So that's yeah. my next order. Um, anything sleep. I think, uh, I forget the name of the sleep formula. Uh, but those are some of my favorites. And then the liquid GPC, I think that's something that you just don't see NSF often. And you know, that little <laughs> quick hit of, of brain function and focus that, that sharpness, right? That's something that, I'm imagining, you know, I'm a player in the NHL, but there's nights where I play 12 minutes. It's not so much a physical exercise anymore. It's more mental acuity and how sharp can I feel and how in flow can I feel. And I feel uh, really good with those. And then I think the mag, the neuro mag, the magnesium is huge for me. That's something that uh, even with my wife, she's noticed directly. She was kind of an anti pill person. She just doesn't do well with, you know, pills and doesn't enjoy yep. them. But she's noticed a huge change in her quality of sleep uh, with magnesium. So now I'm kind of her uh, ball boy when it comes to her magnesium dose at night. She's like, hey, can you go grab me my, you know, the three pills of magnesium? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, no problem. And uh, I, I would say those couple.
2: Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of all of their magnesiums and that, you know, there's different types for different reasons, but yeah, the NeuroMag, the Theronite is such a, such a unique blend. And, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's very important to, you know, have different, different targeted supplements for different purposes. Right. And so, you know, I think that's the biggest thing with, especially with athletes, because, you know, sports nutrition in the past has been considered, supplements like it's like very much you think sports nutrition you think supplements and I think um designs for sport and one reason we're so excited to get involved with them is they're really melding the health of of athletes and you know obviously these types of things and targeted supplementation as opposed to just you know take creatine creatine's great but there's also a wide variety of quality and reasons and and that type of thing uh, and context
1: right so yeah and even the culture of the team that we've been able to you know I've been able to learn from whether it was, um, you know, talking with Jordan about how, you know, he works in the supplementation industry. It's what he does for a living, but like, you know, Hey, forget your digestive enzymes for a meal. Like you're going to live, it's going to be okay. You know, this, this, this constriction versus flow, right. This, this stress state or, you know, Hey, it's going to be all good. Like, you know, Michael Jordan was crushing pizza the night before he, you know, uh, and getting the flu before he goes and, you know, beats out the Utah Jets and sort of allowing room for that athletic stubbornness I think is really important and, and I have to consult a little bit with Roland just on exactly what's in the product in all the different products and the particular quantities of, of the supplementation because I was someone that I always wanted like my program I wanted here here's your health program here's how you should eat I'll see you in six months well I don't do that in my training like the body is always changing <laughs> So you have to invest in looking under the hood. And I know it can sound frustrating for people that are just starting out trying to find answers, you know, for their athletic uh, well-being and, and, you know, health and performance kind of thing. Uh, but for me, I'm someone that has learned the appreciation of revisiting and reevaluating at a later date. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, which is part of the reason I'm hesitant to, I guess, offer the full regurgitation of what I've been using and taking.
0: For
2: sure. And, you know, that's always my answer too. It depends on the context and what your goal is and what's going on. Like there's, you know, for instance, the off season is a great time to focus on things like gut health, like those, you know, kind of rebuilding, as opposed to the in season, which can be a lot more breaking down in a lot of ways. And so it's, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to build up a lot of areas where you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't try new things in the middle of your in season to be like, you know what, I'm just going to try this gut health thing before the game day and see how it goes.
1: (laughs) But totally agree. Totally agree. Got to make room for the tinkering.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, what, what books are you reading right now? What's uh, what's what my reading? I,
1: I got one over here. Bringing up Baby. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, basically this woman goes over to uh, France, and Paul Pamela Druckerman is her name, and basically plays the role of you know Julia Child, where she brought French cooking over the United States. This woman goes into, you know, cultural French parenting. And it was an interesting book that just kind of showed up uh, for me. I've been, I'm doing an audio review of Naval Rakavant. I'm finding every podcast this gentleman has ever done and unearthing what he has uh, to say and, and think about. So That's kind of my audio version. What else am I reading right now? I have far too many books open right now. Oh, uh, Belfry Hockey, Daryl Belfry sent me his book. That's probably the next one I'm starting. I'm most excited for that one from a sense of there's not a lot of books, at least that I found. I'm sure they're out there on like how hockey's coached and trained from, you know, previous times. And I know you both being in the strength world, like, you know, the old school, like German and Russian volumes on training, like how cool would it be to be able to go back and see some of those? And I know you, you, you can, uh, but I'm most excited for in, in reading Gerald's book is like, okay, here's a bookmark of what was considered cutting edge, and, you know, new wave for, you know, 2020 hockey coaching. And I'm just excited to read it and remember it, you know, plan it and, and reconsider what coaching looks like. Hopefully, maybe come to the time that I'm coaching, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now.
0: I think, uh, I mean, there's a assistant strength coach in Edmonton, Patrick Love, um, who is an unbelievably... Um, smart, smart dude. He also has one of the best genetics in the world. This guy doesn't lift a weight for five weeks and he is diesel. He looks like he's like, he's been cutting for a competition.
1: What's the, the Bo Jackson. Uh, what do they say about him? I, I forget where it was that I saw the documentary. I think it was called Bo Knows, And they're like, it was like a friend of his is like, Bo, because he, he walked into his house and he had this weight room. It's like, Bo, like who are you fooling with a weight room? Like I've never, we've played on teams. I've never seen you touch a weight. Not one time. And he was like, uh, I don't know. I guess I, Bo Jackson, I think people would expect me to have a weight room in my house. So I I put one
0: there. (laughs) That
2: was it. I'm a strength coach. People expect me to work out (laughs) there.
0: Oh, it's so true. So, yeah. So, so Patty's got, he's got some great, like some really great uh, ideas and thoughts on it uh, in terms of like hockey and, and the development of hockey. And we were, we were kind of comparing notes and chatting. And I think, one thing that martial arts does really really unbelievably well is skill development and one thing they do terribly is nutrition and strength training. So it's like the inverse. Whereas like so many of these sports hockey, you know, I would consider one of them, they're unbelievable in the back end. Like strength training, nutrition, uh, hydration, all of the data, but when it comes to when it comes to the integration of individual players up into team practices, like it like something's missing. Like it Something doesn't
1: missing. I mean I've I've thought about it for a long time. I have uh, some viewpoints, but I'm in the game that, you know, frankly I can't offer that doesn't come backhanded with some judgment there. And there's an easy track record of who I played for. And I do feel, you know, as players, we're acutely aware of, of coaches that we feel particularly prepared for after practice, you know, in going into a regular season. And then there's been other times where, you know, after main camps and, you know, after extended weeks of practice where you just don't feel as sharp uh, and, and ready to play. And, like, the number one thing that I think I would consider is this element of uh, stress or decision-making. And there's just not a lot in a practice. And there's this hyper-focus on, like, skating and and, and where it's almost like a workout, you know, yeah. uh, versus – I mean, how many – shifts you actually play in a game where you're really under physical duress. ideally not that many because you're able to influence the play early enough and and execute a proper line change you know so you're not in a compromised position Uh, otherwise you're just chasing the game all day and like we'll go through entire NHL practices where not one guy will miss a pass like you know maybe there'll be a couple pass missed but like when's the last NHL game you've seen where every single time a team touched the pocket was tape, 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 tape until the next whistle.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so somewhere in there, it would almost be like as if you went through an entire, you know, MMA uh, fight camp and never got struck one time. So <laughs> he just did bad work. Like the, you would, you would get in the in the cage and get hit and be totally shocked uh, at what that felt like, you know, nervous system one. So I just don't necessarily find them challenging enough or, or, Game-like enough, where there's this stress and there's this decision making and there's this element of an opponent enough, uh, I think. But you know, similar to Sylvie's point, where so many times we are just trying to prevent further, uh, I guess, cre- we're trying to prevent this exhaustion state, this perpetual depletion of the player. So you know, I I, I know there are some really smart people trying to work on it, but uh, I'm confident there's a better way as well.
0: Right, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. It's better for it's better for everyone involved. And that's the truth.
2: <laughs> awesome. Well, Connor, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. We're excited to obviously have you back on. And
1: absolutely anytime.
2: Dig into uh, some more specifics with your amazing routine and uh, and talk about your podcast and everything as well. So,
1: well, I want to thank you. And big part of the reason I have one is because I'm getting introduced uh, via YouTube. So I really appreciate everything you've done for me and and uh i'm available anytime
2: yeah we really appreciate especially you know in the working in hockey appreciate your passion for health and wellness and and even just getting the word out there with your personality on instagram Uh, we encourage all of you to go check him out on instagram if you haven't already
0: actually get closer what what uh what are the tags where can people find out more uh
1: at connor carrick is my just First name, last name, C-O-N-N-O-R, uh, Carrick, And then the Curious Competitor Podcast. That's where I'm at. On Twitter, Instagram, and then wherever you find podcasts, I guess, is usually my answer. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Thank awesome. you. Thanks so much, awesome.
1: Connor. Thank you both. Anytime.